Some episodes might not be suitable for all listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Well, you always started with, hey guys, we done fucked up. Yeah, you just did. Okay. <laughs> there you go. So, what happened? Uh, well, we, we all, uh, we got together last night and... We recorded for you guys almost four and a half hours worth of material. And bonus content. Yeah, and bonus content. And I was going through and I was editing it and somehow... Ghost in the machine. Sure, we'll go with that. <laughs> somehow, I um, I, I was Me. editing the material and... You pared it down way too much. <laughs> no, the, uh, the entire recording got deleted. Yeah. Which, you can imagine how angry that made me the minute I realized it. Yeah, and we're not data recovery experts, so we're kind of, we're kind of fucked. Well, I mean, I will admit, I went through every file storage in every way possible to recover it, and it done gone. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, we can, like, find it, there's just no way to, like... Uh, no, I, on I air doubled, market for destruction. No, that, that's what I'm saying. I double checked it specifically on the SD card. Oh, what I was seeing well, yeah. was remnants of the recording that hadn't uh, been removed from the phone yet. Yeah. So, so when I went at, back and double checked, yeah. it was gone. So we're at our house right now. So you're going to hear probably cats, dogs, cats, dogs, an AC system. Um, specifically, a doggy that really wants to play. So, we apologize for that. That being said, I'm going to do a narrative, somewhat semi-narrative, of the events of what happened, so that you guys aren't completely in the dark the next time we get back on track. And then, for the next episode, after this one, um, we will be doing a one-off, Ren and I will be, to, to kind of explain a little bit of backstory into a character into esther's backstory well they don't know who esther is yet oh oops (laughs) (laughs) spoiler alert oops so at at the end of the last episode uh mercer had made a deal with an alchemist gnome who had similar interests in explosives as he did and he got Dynamite. He got some sticks of dynamite after helping out with a backpack sort of thing that launches a very old school vintage style clockwork rocket, as it were. Oh gosh. That's basically totally safe. basically it's an explosive ballista that straps to your back yes. and you just lean forward and it flies OSHA off. approved. <laughs> yeah, OSHA would see a book explode. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, OSHA's not gonna be okay with that. So they came um, back the next morning, and all four party members, Zabak, Akantha, Mercer, and Selene, all came back, and Mercer was able to get his dynamite. Yeah. Kanta was still waiting on her, uh, My... her elk antler headdress to be made. Yeah. That was going to look very similar to... Uh, refashioned into like a full deer skull headdress. It was going to look like a forsworn headdress, Yeah, forsworn right? from a Skyrim. Excuse me. And that's kind of where we had left off. Well, at that point, they had the majority of that day left. Yeah, so... And by noon the next day was when they were supposed to meet 
Cedrail back at his arcane tower. Yeah, so Akantha is like, well, I just want to get up to some shenanigans. I'm going to go party. No, dance. no. Yeah. But I'm going to go dance and make merry with new friends. Mm-hmm. Um, Akantha doesn't drink, so none of that. <laughs> but still, you know, get up to some shenanigans and... And then Zabak wanted to... Uh... Uh, yeah, Zabak went in search of more practical... Uh, healing capabilities. Goals. Uh, she went to go find some healing potions. Because she's like, okay, these idiots are going to get themselves killed. <laughs> Freaking... <laughs> I think Zabak is slowly turning into the mom of the group. Um... Oh. <laughs> and that would be one of the cats. <laughs> so, um, before we go any further into this, I wanted to give you guys a bit of a heads up. The programming that I use to upload these videos, particularly onto Spotify and other podcasts, has an option to get sponsorships and possibly be able to monetize the episodes yeah. a little bit. So, we're going to... Are we, we going to do a Patreon? No, I'm not going to do a Patreon. Okay. I am going to ask that the listeners um, take advantage of whatever platform that they use. And yes, I'm talking to you guys. I don't know why I'm talking in the second person. But whatever platform you guys use, um, do me a huge favor, please. Oh, specifically on um, Apple Podcasts. Uh, that one, too. Yeah. But I was going to say, if you have the option to share these episodes... Yeah. On whatever social media platform you use, Facebook, yeah. Instagram, Twitter, uh, yeah, we're getting whatever. Set up, so please share it. Um, we're at 35 solid listeners yeah. right now. If what we can if, hit 50, then we have options to get sponsorships. If we are able to do that, we're able to upgrade our equipment, give you better sound quality, give you better direct info on episodes i'm still going to post unique stuff to the yeah. gameplay as well as my own little projects on the facebook page for the lark channel Uh-oh. if you're <coughs> up, Sorry, there guys. goes the animals again <laughs> we have this thing where the cats one of the cats tries to play with the other one and the other cat doesn't want to yeah and she says fuck you i'm gonna kill you and then the dog jumps in the middle and says both of you knock it off yeah he's He's the big brother that's like, stop it, you impeded children. So yeah, if you're not already following us on the LARP channel Facebook page, go to the Facebook page, uh, like, subscribe. If we can hit 50 solid listeners, I might consider putting together a small little raffle where one lucky listener who is a member of the Facebook page will win a prize box a very nice hand wooden formerly known as a cigar box don't tell them that <laughs> don't smoke kids smoking is bad but it's a former cigar box made out of cedar well constructed and polished all of the stickers and stuff cleaned off as well as a free set of dice and possibly an extra little added surprise on top extra of it extra goodies but first we have to hit 50 listeners, and the more people that hear about these episodes and the more it's willing to share, it comes from you guys as the listeners, yeah. I would really appreciate it. Yeah, listen to us get up to stupid shit. So Zabak found the other alchemy shop. Yes. And she was offered a smaller homebrewed version from the standard potions of healing that you can find in the standard 
rules of play. You yeah. have a potion of healing, potion of greater healing, supreme healing, superior healing, and it's all 2d4 plus something, yeah. and the higher it goes, uh, the more 2d4s you add in. Yeah. Those usually start at about 50 gold pieces a <laughs> bottle. The bat can't swing that. So we homebrewed a lesser potion of healing. Which I didn't even realize he'd done it at the time, so kudos to your mad DM skills. <laughs> a lesser potion of healing heals a straight 1d4. Yeah. So while it's not a great long-term thing, <laughs> if, you've, if you have that last minute need to keep someone alive, yeah. need to survive for 30 more seconds kick one of those back at the very least you're getting one hit point which might make the difference exactly you're not gonna potentially get torn apart by a i don't know giant hermit crab um one key thing i did make an official dm ruling on that unfortunately got deleted in the last recording the dynamite sticks that mercer had gotten when he used the bomb the the point of origin where he lit the bomb and it exploded it said within five feet of the point of origin that was as rules written and so he threw it into a square and all the adjacent squares within five feet of that square were affected well i was going to go ahead and say that the dynamite i was going to retcon what i originally said and say that the dynamite functions the same way because it's literally written the same way the only difference with the stick of dynamite and the bomb is you can tie together multiple sticks for a larger explosion (laughs) big boom so Zabak got the lesser potions of healing. Uh, and then, oh yeah, uh, Mercer, Selene, and I in, ended up at the, the Oriental. Tell us a little bit about the Oriental. <laughs> I, I pulled a small little page out of the Kurt Russell and Val Kilmer <laughs> movie of Tombstone. I'm, I'm giving a little hat tip because that's one of my favorite Western movies to, to watch. And why not? And... He's a cowboy at heart. <laughs> <laughs> sure I am. No, no, I'm kidding. One of the taverns was called the Oriental, and just like described in the movie, a fantastic, amazing-looking tavern, but dead. Yeah. There's literally nobody going near it, walking in there, doing anything. And why and is that? The, so our characters, Zabak, not Zabak, Acantha, Mercer, and Celine, all go in there. Celine kind of takes lead and says, I would like to create entertainment play some music, tell some stories, potentially make a little bit of money, and for you allowing me to use your establishment, I will give you a small percentage of it. Yeah, he says, good. well, good luck with that, but... Um, nobody here to entertain. Nobody here to entertain, and they, when they asked, he said, well, you see the guy over there dealing the Pharaoh card game? That guy. He uh, came in one night with a dagger and started swinging it around, hitting people in the face, chased out all the high-class play. I can't get anybody but drunks to come walking in here once in a blue moon. And as they're talking, you can hear the guy at the table yelling at the player that's trying to make money and winning money. He's yelling at his own people who aren't really doing anything, but he needs somebody to yell at. And he's just picking up a storm of negativity. And, you know, sometimes being a bitch is all someone has to hang on to, unfortunately. (laughs) So, Mercer, being Mercer... (laughs) Tiny man with anger issues. He walks over, he jumps up on the table, and he did something kind of interesting that we had read about in D&D 3.5. 
in 3.5, there's oh, a oh, oh, oh. there's a clause that dictates that if you take a bag of holding, this is good, and that bag of holding gets ripped, cut, damaged in any pierced. way, shape, or form, pierced, <laughs> then all the contents inside of it disappear and cease to exist. Blink out of existence. And the bag vanishes with them. Yeah. He wanted to take that same concept and see if potentially it would work with his backpack of holding. Now, isn't this something we had done in one of our own personal games? That's where we came up with the idea was. Okay. It was the yeah. very first D&D game I ran when I was doing the Freeport 3.5 yeah. game. And one of our characters decided to try to get rid of an avatar of cord by throwing the bag on it because he couldn't think of a better way to try to get rid of. Because we were we were not ready for that fight, were we? No. Oh, and <laughs> I officially have a dog joining us. We have a co-host, a new co-host. This is Cosmo. This is Cosmo. You he, may or may not you, be able. They to can't see him. What are we doing? <laughs> He's a beagle mix, mostly black, some white in there. I might show you a picture of him later on. So Mercer jumps up on the table. Now, Mercer, as an artificer, can infuse items. And one of the items he infused was his backpack to turn it into a backpack of holding. Yeah. So he... Now, before they do this, I should preface this and say that he and Celine step out. He empties all the contents of his backpack out and gives it to Celine. I'm not. Sh- I honestly don't remember if she put it into a bag or just let it set in a pile yeah, next like to her. A legit hold my beer kind of moment. Yeah, he runs over. He takes the backpack off, throws it over that one guy's head, and attempts to pierce the bag. Well, first round attack, he he that didn't work. He missed. They go into initiative. Mercer gets the highest roll initiative, and says, "Okay, I'm doing this again." Slash, and slashes his own backpack and proceeds to yeet this motherfucker from existence yep just boom, and gone. he's gone like okay but only his head was in the bag right no oh we got ba- the whole what because a bag of holding can oh. hold a dimensional space within a certain cubic feet so, yeah. the bag the physical bag itself will adjust to the size yeah. of whatever the object is gotcha, gotcha so because gotcha. an entire person could fit into the bag when Mercer put that him. bag over, he essentially pillowcased him, but he <laughs> turned a backpack into a garbage bag due to the magic. Right. So the and backpack covered at least half, if not three quarters of the person's body. Ooh, that's and because sticky. the person was inside the bag, he now becomes a content of the bag. So when the bag was pierced, it's gone. Poop, ceases to Man, exist, bleeps out of the he existence. He worked so hard to get that bag, too. Well, it wasn't that hard for him to get another one. So, yeah, and then that, that kind of pisses off that guy's buddies, and they throw hands. They, they throw hands. The the innocent bystander who was uh, playing cards and winning money quickly looks at the situation and says, I'm out, grabs his money, and yeets out the door real quick. No, he nopes out the door. <laughs> he nopes out the door? He nopes out the door. We yeeted the, the one guy from existence. Oh, okay, okay. The, guy, the other guy noped. One is voluntary, <laughs> one is involuntary. I'm learning new things every day, yes, apparently. Yes, you are. I work, uh, I work with teenagers. I, I like so. simple languages, but okay. I, I like to be up in their vernacular. <laughs> it, it really throws them off when I say, that's cap. Fam. Yeah. So this kind of <laughs> turns out into an all-out uh, fight that was an exchange of crossbow bolts and spells. Yep. Effectively, our heroes beat these yeah, guys. Yeah, we won. And- In the process of this fight, a crowd is drawing outside the Oriental because the guy who had grabbed his money real quick and 
how'd you put it, noped out the yeah, door? Yeah, noped out the door. Said, somebody got rid of so-and-so. They're taking on the others. We might be able to come back to the Oriental with no problems. Woo! And a crowd starts to form. And now we're heroes. So after these two, these other two clowns go down, Mercer grabs both of them, drags them out, and throws them in the alley next to the Oriental and rings a unique Undertaker bell. No, that's not a wrestling reference. No, um, for whom the bell tolls. <laughs> and that lets the city's Undertaker know, oh, I have dead bodies I need to come pick up. I don't want them rotting in Bring the streets. Bring out your dead! <laughs> <laughs> That's one of my favorite movies. Oh, gosh. At which point, Celine uh, goes to the other side of the bar where there's a small stage and proceeds to start playing music and telling stories and performing. I had uh, James roll performance checks, one for each hour that Celine decided to do this. Mercer sat himself at the bar near where Celine was at and kind of positioned himself so if anybody tried to do something stupid... He yeah. could step in and be between them Bodyguard and Bodyguard bouncer kind of deal. Mm-hmm. And on the opposite side of the room, dancing to the music. Akansas just living it up, being her usual derpy self. <laughs> now, in the process of all this happening, a few people are also coming in, realizing that Mercer played the big role in getting rid of this guy, come up, offer to shake the shake his hand, buy him a drink, and yeah. he's... They're just dumping drinks down his gullet. Yeah, he gets about three, four, maybe five drinks in. And after three hours, Celine's made about 56 gold in tips. Yeah. And Mercer is starting to feel a little woozy and tipsy. And I think it's time to. Nice and tight. (laughs) As they used to say in the 30s, because I'm old. (laughs) <laughs> Another hour goes by, and Mercer's able to sober himself up. They kind of leave the tavern. There's people bustling in there now. Great old time. And they decide they want to spend some more time of the day and make the day go by. They decide they want to go back to the job board. Now, the job board was where they had approached initially when the first round of Black Rift guards attacked them yeah. in the last episode. And we inadvertently took on that job. Of getting them. Yeah, but you were forced into that because Black Rift yeah, was coming after you. They were like, mm, "We gonna get him," and we're like, "Nah, son." Is he missing his collar? Yeah, I took his collar off because he's oh. jangling all over the place. Um, so they go back to that job board. If you don't know about that initial fight with Black Rift, go to the episode prior to this one and listen to it. Episode three. Episode four. Episode four. Okay. Episode four. And that way you can get caught up. They find another job on the job board talking about two Kenku who robbed a jewelry store. And Which, okay, what are Kenku? Kenku are these little bird-like creatures that are about the same size as a gnome. They are very stealthy, but they don't fly. They so, can... like, mini magpie versions of Aarakocras? Uh, mini magpie, yes. Versions of Aarakocra, no. Because they don't have wings, they can't fly. But then... And they typically wear something of pants and a tunic, but with a hood that covers their head and have a much bigger beak. Well, that sounds adorable. They're very commonly known for being stealthy thieves. Sneaky toucan peoples. Minus the colorful beak. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. But he said giant beak. Okay. Um, So they ended up robbing a jewelry store, and the jeweler said... 
if you can recover the all the jewelry that was stolen and bring it back, you get a payout of thirty gold. Yeah. That was by far the highest paying job. Yeah. Now in the book, cool thing was in the book those jobs were listed on a table that you randomly rolled for, and I just happened to roll for that particular job. Yeah, man. I'm and we were down, so we're like, yeah, let's do this. Since we're playing Dungeon in a Box, that's something that's commonly known for Dungeon in a Box, is about 50% of the adventures are based off of random rolls of a table in the book. Which is, it's great for beginners because it gives you that structure and that guidance that you really need, but then you have that creative freedom to really get your beak wet with DMing. Yeah. It also adds the added bonus fun of if you decide to replay the game, the same adventure might not happen the same time because it's based on random rolls. So your encounters could be different every time. You could run into the same encounter three or four times. You could run into five or six different encounters. There's also a role that indicates whether or not you run into an encounter at all. So it could be the coolest encounters possible or the most boring adventure yeah. possible. This is a good point spot to point out that we're not sponsored by Dungeon in a Box, but, you know, sponsor us. Maybe <laughs> we'll play your games and we'll make them sound really fun and entertaining. And we promise we won't delete any more audio if you sponsor us. So promise. only if they sponsor us, we won't delete more content. I mean, I don't think so. We're not going to delete okay. content on purpose. I mean, we, I mean, if we get better equipment, we can guarantee little foo bars like this don't happen. <laughs> All of that sounds like. Threat. Yeah, it really does. <laughs> that, that's not what I'm going for here at all. I'm not going for this that's at all. That's not what we're going for. Okay. So anyway, we tracked these nasty little kankus to this abandoned tenement. Yeah. As a side note, they were also offered an additional 10 gold if they were able to apprehend the kenku alive With, so that they can be arrested. I can't just like, that's for the week. <laughs> so... We tra- hey. yeah we we track these nasty little guys there and we we freaking we sneak in the so back's ready to throw down but now, then Selena freaking now they did track them down to an abandoned it's called a tenement yeah it's like a rundown type of living space I said that did you I, I did we oh, tracked okay. them to the tenement it's a low I I think it used to originally be like low income apartment housing type of thing yeah but it was yeah. just outside the uh, skirts of town yeah. And so Mercer sneaks up into there. The others keep about a 25-foot distance away. And Mercer is trying to get these two who he words are hard. Who he has discovered are hiding out in the second floor of the building. He's trying to make just enough noise and taunt them just enough. Yeah, like get them in. Oh God, I'm sorry, I'm not going to bed right now. To get them to come downstairs. Well. He doesn't do very good, and they end up seeing him through the cracks of the floor and have just enough space that one of them actually shoots him in the shoulder with a bow and arrow. Rude. So at that point, he goes halfway up the stairs, grabs a stick of dynamite, lights it, and blindly throws it up there. Always a bad idea. (laughs) It didn't destroy any of the flooring or the building or anything, but it certainly got their attention. Yeah, we got lucky. At that point, the rest of the party joins him. And these Kenku are not coming down. So the party decides, we're going up. By this point, Zabak has also caught up with the group. Well, yeah, because she's like, you guys are going to get your stupid asses killed. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) And it was actually Selene who apprehended them, interestingly enough. She's more of a diplomatic 
talker rather than a fighter. Solve, solve this the most efficient way rather than the funner way. Right. So she goes up there and she casts sleep. Yeah, and they just conk right out, and we're like, oh. Now, if any of you know anything about the sleep spell, when you use that point of origin, you want to try to keep it as far away from your own party members as possible mm. because it affects a 20-foot area from a certain point of origin. Now, if your yeah. ally is in that point of origin, there's a chance it affects your, your ally, too. Exactly. And Both they, of the they Kenku, ain't going to be your friend no more. <laughs> Both of the Kenku passed out, and there was an extra two points left over that started to affect Zabak. But because it was only two points, she, like, mildly drifted off and went, Wait, yeah, wait. She's like, what the heck? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. We're, they apprehend... Yeah. They apprehend the two Kenku. Nasty little things. They return the coin and gold and everything. And that was where James actually goes, Now, did it specifically say returning the, the jewelry and stuff? And I went back and I reread it and he goes, Okay. Yeah. It specifically said, Upon return of the jewelry, you'll yes. get paid. That was a major caveat to this whole thing. You have to bring the jewels back, too. So the jeweler paid them the 30 gold. Yeah. The local guards paid an additional 10 gold, so our heroes all earned 40 gold, which they split up 10, 10, and 10. And, uh, And it was starting to get close to evening by this point one last thing that they attempted to do and it just didn't really work out it didn't it wasn't bad for them but it wasn't good is there was auctions going yes, on yes really let's check this out this, this will be fun let's do this every time they tried to put a bid on something like a like a nice vintage glass or a nice piece of uh, or a fancy quill even yeah nah. every time they tried somebody outbid them every freaking time and it um yeah, it was, it was frustrating. It, it was frustrating. But it got to the end of the night, and they decided to turn back into the tavern for dinner and everything else. So after getting to the tavern, they uh, I remember pointing this out very specifically. He had asked what the dinner was for that night. I said, it's a roasted boar with diced up onion and garlic that's infused into the meat as it's being roasted. And then they sauteed onion and garlic (laughs) that was added to it on top on the slices. And that, those little chunks came out like small little one and a half pound steaks. And, like, everybody got one. Yeah, plus a drink. Like, yeah, this is yummy. So, 20 gold later, everybody's eating it all up. Yum, yum, yum. <laughs> and we're like, okay, we're going to crash. We crash. Okay. They go to bed. They get up the next morning. They get their second and final complimentary breakfast for their rooms that they mm-hmm. paid for. And at that point, they were done renting out the rooms and everything. Yeah. That morning... Um, if you guys recall, in the first episode, there were two necklaces that were more low-grade gems mm-hmm. that they had found. They were uh, in the room with the vase that became uh, Hoothorn's. Hoothorn's urn. Uh, yeah, urn. 
Yep. I mean... Well, you put the ashes in it, and then yeah. What's he the, carved the... It's called an urn. I know, what, I know what it's called, but I'm like, now he's a ghosty boy tied to it, so... Yeah. He haunts it? Um, <laughs> well, that, that was something a lot of different types of lore talked about, that when somebody dies, they're tied to something yeah. that still exists. Yeah, and he's and that's, that's I'm yeah, cool yeah. with that. Yeah. And because his remains are in it and he wanted the vase. They, it, they sorry. They wanted the vase. They made it vividly clear that they wanted the vase, so in their minds that was theirs. Vase is mine. So Thorn yeah. haunts the vase. Um, they went and they tried to sell the necklaces, which they were actually able to haggle it up. The value yeah. of the necklaces was supposed to be fifteen gold apiece for thirty gold. Because like and, man, we almost died. Come on. What well, no, they just they haggled it up and convinced the jeweler that it was a pristine, almost flawlessly perfect condition. And so he offered 20 gold apiece. Yeah, he was in turn money. still going to be able to get about 35 gold a piece out of it, which isn't a huge turnaround, but... Better than nothing. Better than nothing, and it's not a huge loss to him. So then we're like, okay, we got to get back to Cedrail because we got, we got stuff to do. Yep. They get back to Cedrail's house, and they get back just in time to hear Cedrail saying, You stay away from her! Get out of my house! You put a hand on her, and I'll kill you! And they see the door kicked open a little bit. This is not good. And they come in to find three more Black Rift guards surrounding Cedrail in one corner, and behind Cedrail, laying on the floor of the corner, is the party's newest member, Esther! No, but it, it's, it's gonna, okay. Yeah, it's going to be our So tell us a little bit about Esther. Um, Esther is um, a bronze dragonborn. She, um, she, her pronouns. She's a bodybuilder and a sorceress <laughs> and something of an athlete. Um, and her, <coughs> her weapon is, uh, it's, the stats are a quarterstaff. However, in actuality, it is the bar from a bench press. So she just swings this 55-pound bench press bar around and cracks skulls with it when she runs out of good spell slots. So, yeah. Um, so they immediately step in and engage the Black Rift Warriors, giving Cedrail just enough of a distraction to grab Esther's unconscious body and teleport out of the room. She consented to that. Well, she was unconscious. She didn't have a choice. <laughs> well, I mean, she consents to being protected. <laughs> yeah. And so the party didn't know this, but Cedrail just teleported to the second floor of the tower. Yeah. And because Black Rift was now engaged by the party, they had no way of trying to run upstairs to help or not help, but go after Cedrail again. Yeah, like, hey, come back, explain some things, maybe? Yep. The other thing the party quickly learned is that if they cast any sort of magic that caused any sort of... Shimmy, shaky, tremory... Anything that could cause anything to move, it would cause one of the bottles to fall. Um, yeah, so this almost pretty... more specifically, if a spell was cast, a bottle was going to drop. Yeah. And every time a bottle dropped because it had contents of chaos magic in it, <laughs> a random wild magic surge effect would go off. Yeah, 
Thanks, buddy. <laughs> so, and this, this is where I kind of felt bad, but at the same time, it was what it was. Mercer kind of inadvertently, unexpectedly became victim to his own mistake. He cast Firebolt, which he commonly does. It's what Mercer does. He cast Firebolt at the enemy, causing one of the bottles to fall. Bottle falls, goes off, and it goes off right next to the Black Rift guy. Well, the effect was that now, for the next minute, anything that that guy touches catches on fire. (laughs) He quickly realizes this. Nobody else is really aware of it. They just see something different about the guy's hands. Like the fuck? And uh, they continue to engage. Um, There were other effects that went off. Nothing... Nothing drastic. It wasn't like a fireball went off. It wasn't like anybody turned invisible or turned into a plant or anything like that. <laughs> yeah, no, don't turn me into a potted plant. Uh, but that, that would have been kind of funny. That um, was a running joke when I jumped in through the previous playthrough before we started <laughs> over. That happened quite a few times yeah, because of like, certain choices. Yeah, I was like, don't turn me, turn me into a potted plant. I ain't going to be happy. And a subtle nod to... Um, the adventure zone there. Mm. Uh, I do remember another one caused illusory butterflies to float around Celine's head when she had casted a spell. Yeah. Uh, there, there were some other ones I can't remember, but the reason why I point out the burning hands ones is because during the fight, the same guy whose hands now catch everything on fire, he realizes the benefit of this and decides, I'm going to catch this short little piece of shit on fire. Oh, don't burn the kitty. I, no, Mercer. Mercer, yeah. Isn't he a backseat? No, he's no, not he's a backseat. No, he's a gnome. That's right. He's, he's a gnome. He's a gnome now. Yeah. That's... The tabaxi was Captain Catapult who was trying no, to steal the ship with a forged writ of... Le- in uh, the original playthrough, wasn't he a tabaxi? No. No? No. What am I thinking of? Um, Probably some other former game. Probably. They all kind of start blending together. James does enjoy playing a tabaxi, but he was not a tabaxi. He's cat boy. (laughs) Okay. So he, the the bad guy, the Black Rift Warrior, knowing that he can catch things on fire, attempts to grapple and successfully grapples Mercer, wrapping him in a giant bear hug. Well, because Mercer's backpack is on his back... And he has all of his stuff in his backpack. And he's so little. This guy's hands are gripped onto the backpack while he's in this bear hug. Trying to hold on to this guy. He's just trying to catch Mercer on fire, and then he was going to throw Mercer. Like an angry little gnome bomb. He had a hold of Mercer for at least one round. Yeah. That was enough, to me, that was enough time to not actively catch flames, to Mercer's backpack, but to burn holes into Mercer's backpack. Yeah, it's now, pretty good. by this time, Mercer had gone and bought another backpack and reinfused it to become another backpack of holding. Mm-hmm. Mercer ended up losing his second backpack. <laughs> he big mad. And he was really angry because all of the contents that he had in that backpack... Specifically, new dynamite. Yeah. Not it was all lost. He, 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 may. he was not happy with that at all. He pulls out his wands. If he was a barbarian, he would rage. Yep. <laughs> the, the guy gets killed by another spell blast. And just as he falls over, Mercer takes one of the wands and starts jutting it into this guy's eye socket. So, oh yeah, trigger warning, by the way. 
Yeah, this is where it gets a little graphic. <laughs> he don't like eyeballs. He starts stabbing this guy in the eye, and because of how angry he is and how hard he's jabbing this thing down into this guy's eye socket it's and into his brain, he breaks body. his own wand yeah, in this guy's head. Naughty boy. Given at that point, I made a DM calling and decided Mercer's going to go into an alignment shift. Yeah, that's pretty... Uh... Mercer went from a chaotic good to a chaotic neutral character. Yeah. Now, yeah. here's a little here's a little rule that I have about my games. I Most of the games I run are the practical, simple, basic, good versus evil yeah. type of campaign. No so while I don't force my players to be good, I tell them no evil characters. Yes. Evil is what you're fighting against, therefore you cannot be yeah. Because that makes you part of the enemy, not part of the heroes. Exactly. Let's just keep it simple. It's a simplicity thing I do. It might not make sense to everybody, but it is how I kind of try to run the games. It also keeps a little bit more order to the games. Yeah. and makes it easier to run encounters and such. If my characters inadvertently turn evil... There's consequences. There are consequences. I only do that based off of the choices that the players make as their characters. Uh-huh. In this case... Mercer forcibly lobotomizing somebody. Mercer made the choice of saying, "You lost my bag." I'm mad. I'm mad. I'm going all out, I and proceeds to, to do this he, stuff. He, has a, he just basically has a tantrum. But I mean, we won, and then we we're like, "Oh wait, these black red some bitches are here. We should probably check on the ship." Well, that that started with Cedro. Cedro came oh, down and said, oh, right. these guys were here looking for the astral compass. Somehow they knew I had it. We in trouble. So I'm worried that if they knew I had the compass, they might already be aware of the ship. Yeah. And there might be problems with the ship. Yeah. So, so at that, bounce. Yeah, so they all bounce. Um, all the heroes, Cedrail and Esther all go. And during that, that little trip back to the waterfront where the boat is at, few things are be- are made kind of a few things are clarified clarified uh the players tell Cedrail that they've opted to have Hal Hawkshaw be the helmsman of the boat if you'll recall he's the isn't he the drunk that had to sign off he was drunk at the time he's uh, not a drunk he's not a dr- oh wow. <clears throat> he was drinking his sorrows away because he had to sell his boat to pay off other debts yeah, so we're like paranoid that he's gonna try to steal his boat back so we're mm-hmm. like hey come be our helmsman <laughs> so we can low-key keep an eye on you and he flat out made the offer yeah he said you know what i i know that ship stemmed to stern how about you let me yeah let me help you guys let me help you guys out which wasn't shady at all <laughs> So, in the process of that, Cedrail says, well, I don't trust Hal. He might be completely reformed from Black Rift, but he's still from Black Rift. I don't trust him. With that being said, originally, Cedrail had invited Esther to come and be an apprentice under him and help her hone her skills as a sorceress. Because he will not be going on the ship, that gives him more time to work in his lab at his house and decides you know what maybe this is an opportunity in disguise offers to instead take on um not celine acantha (laughs) who is also a wild magic sorceress who has chaos magic and has kind of come to realize that she's slowly losing a little bit of control 
So he offers oh, to be okay. her mentor instead and tells Esther, maybe it's a better idea if you go with these guys and this will be more open adventure. You don't have chaos magic the way I do. So while I can teach you, I can't be the best teacher for you. These guys are all spellcasters just like you are and are all arcane spellcasters at that. You might be able to learn a little bit more and discover for yourself who you are as an individual by going with them onto the open seas of an adventure. She's like, yeah, sure, let's do this. So at that point, Acantha is no longer part of the active party. Still a member of the Adventures Guild, but no longer a member of the active party. And with her goes the spirit of Huthorn. Yeah, Huthorn's going to hang with Acantha. With Cedrail. They get down to the ship, they see Hal. Cedrail says, okay, I want to help you, but that's more than what I can handle, and I'm pretty sure that's going to be more than what Acantha can handle, because we don't do melee combat. And I don't want either of us to die. You guys have shown that you know how to handle yourselves mm-hmm. in a fight, though. You can take care of this, especially with Hal helping you out. And that's exactly what Hal tells them, is Black Rift's on the boat, they're searching for something, they're not letting anybody near the docks. If we want to get the boat, we need to take these guys down. So Celine and Mercer set themselves up by some barrels and crates at the end of the pier. Um... Esther hides halfway behind some brush, and Zabak and Hal both ready, uh, what is it, a warhammer and a battle axe. Yeah, so Zabak, pardon me, approaches as far as she can and into her shell, and then Hal uses her as like a shield. (laughs) Yeah, kind of. She she goes, just like how how you see a turtle crawling along. Turtle, turtle. She's basically laying on her stomach with her head and her arms and feet inside her shell, and Hal is kneeled down as far as he can be and kind of using her shell as half cover to keep himself safe. I mean, she's she's a big girl, 450 pound. Yeah, but just the the shape of it and everything. It should have been more quarter cover, but I gave it half cover because I was... It's a big shell. It's, It's a big creature. Seeing the PCs die mostly is based off of PC's choice. Seeing an NPC die because I made a dumb choice, yeah. that, that kind of calls into question my DMing skills. Yes, a little <laughs> bit. Anyway, it, 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 does, it is a rough time. So Mercer and Selene are providing cover fire, as is Esther, shooting fire bolts and everything. These guys are returning fire with crossbow bolts, so it's almost like the Oriental fight at the tavern all over again, yeah. but with more distance. Yeah, and we're like, man, this is some bullshit. We haven't had time to rest. I'm, you know, although luckily Esther, of course, having been knocked out and not really having done anything beforehand, had plenty of spell slots to fuck yeah. it up. Oh, and as a side note, Acantha passed the robe oh, that yeah, they the found in the robe. temple mm-hmm. onto Esther and said, Here. "You'll be. this will be more useful for Here, you. Here, have fun. And then... Esther is like, ooh, I want to use a star robe. Wait a second. I'm I, not attuned to I'm it. not attuned. I can't do that. <laughs> Damn. Yep. And I I forget the name, but I know it was a lesser robe of something. But robe of stars? I, I don't remember off the top That's of my head. But um, they find the ship. The ship is a two-masted schooner. And while they're engaged with these Black Rift guys, at one point the Black Rift guys let the heavy, ca- uh, heavy catapults... 
heavy crossbows hang back down at their sides, they draw their battle axes, and they prepare to move forward and engage. Simultaneously, Hal knocks on Zabak's shell and says, here we go, and he moves up, and he meets them, and they begin to engage each other. And she's like, let's do this. Zabak and Hal take out the two Black Rift guards on the pier. The third one is up on the edge of the ship where the bridge leading down to the pier is at. The gangplank. And just as they take these two guys out on the pier, they look up at the third guy. Somebody has shanked this motherfucker. And they, yeah, exactly. They see this guy fall over dead. That's when it becomes apparent that pirates have snuck onto the ship and are preparing to weigh anchor, set sail, and steal the boat. Rude. So not one, not two, but three back-to-back encounters. Yeah, like, sorry. I'm not going to bed right now. (laughs) It's like, can this shit get any worse? This is where things got really, really scary really quick. Because because most of the spellcasters had exhausted all their high-level spells. Yeah, so we're down to cantrips and, you know, weight bars. (laughs) Yeah, and as the uh, fight ensues and they're trying to get onto the ship, the ship is moving slowly forward so each round the ship moves forward five feet and the gangplank like causing the gangplank to lose its balance and slowly get ready to fall into the water it's a fun side note here we're gesturing with our hands on a completely audio medium (laughs) so like it helps talk i mean i'll admit it i'm one of those guys where you tie my hands behind my back i'm basically mumbling because i have no way of talking exactly (laughs) i have to talk with my hands yeah (laughs) so yeah the gangplank is like yeah now the way the way it read in the booklet was the initiative order from the fight against black rift continues so it's as if two separate fights turn into one big fight. Mm-hmm. All the crew members who are the pirates trying to steal the ship come in at an initiative of zero and just get added to the bottom of the list. So the initiative continues and the fight just continues except mm-hmm. it's against a different enemy. Yeah. Most of these guys are armed with heavy crossbows and maces instead of the traditional Black Rift heavy battle axe. Or not heavy, but battle axe. Yeah. So, where are these, did we learn where these pirates are actually from? They're, they're just kind of like... Wherever. They were just hired hands that oh, were... I, I'll go ahead and give a little bit of a spoiler. You, we later learn that these guys were hired by none other than Captain Killian Catapult. That angry little kitty boy. Because he didn't get his ship the way he wanted, he decided, I'm taking it anyway. Typical entitled man. Hired up a, a ship of guys, and while they're aboard... The main deck, up on the main deck, um, getting the rigging ready, setting the sails, weighing the anchor. He's down below, ruffling through the captain's quarters and anything else oh, to find anything of shit. Yeah, he's just trying to find anything of value. Rude. He's a pirate. That's what they do. I mean, I get that, but it's still rude. <laughs> um, so this battle ensues. Uh, Mercer's the first one to go down. He gets knocked unconscious. Yeah, he gets knocked up. And I made it vividly clear that when he was hit with damage and fell to zero, it was non-lethal damage. So he's not dead. Yeah. He's just unconscious. They saw it as an opportunity to take on prisoners, to be sold into slavery, to make extra coin. Slavery's bad, okay. Yep. On the black market, that's a very valuable thing. The gnomes got they got tiny hands. They tiny little bodies. They get in places. (laughs) Um. 
Shortly after that, you see Celine go down. So yeah, this is going from bad to worse. <laughs> so yeah, and I kind of felt bad because at that point, James just kind of sitting there reading stuff on his laptop while this fight's going on. I He's thought waiting for I, his guys to wake yeah, up. Yeah, I was something. like convinced he was getting ready to roll new characters. <laughs> I thought he was just pissed. He's like, you know what? I'm done for tonight. Right. He wasn't, but yeah. you you get the idea. Zabak came in with the save with those Shiko potions. She yeah, Zabak engaged the woman who was at the helm. The helm's woman. Simultaneously, she was being flanked by another guy who was near the ba- the banister of the up the back half of the yeah, ship. The right, yeah, and she's like, "This is good. This is good." And she ends up causing him to go over the rail and into the drink. It takes yeah. a little bit of work. She initially kicks him over and he grabs the, the, the railing. balcony railing as he's falling over, pulls himself back up, and he's now standing on the opposite side of the banister she goes, halfway she goes, over the water. She's like, no, I evicted you, sir. <clears throat> with her warhammer. <laughs> right in the chest is like a pull with, like, with a... Simultaneously, Hal starts to show his true skills with a battle axe as he's spinning and swirling this thing around. He basically looked like, um, you remember that movie, Abraham Lincoln, The Vampire Oh my gosh, it's so good. And he's like spinning that woodcutter's axe around and hacking people with a soap. Who was in that? That was a good movie. Uh, It was the same actor that played the the original Bruce Banner in the first live action Hulk movie Uh... when Marvel Cinematics was still doing just movies they weren't doing connected movies or anything let me i gotta i gotta look it up now abraham <laughs> google with the win 2012 yep. that's a good year uh but that's essentially how Hal's looking and the whole time he's going if we can save a heavy crossbow please save a heavy what? crossbow please save a heavy crossbow apparently the music for that movie was oh henry jackman not never mind forget um, i was even here moving benjamin on benjamin walker is the guy so yeah. moving on yes this is where <laughs> something i didn't originally plan on that was fully possible to happen but didn't plan on doing ends up happening mercer currently is being possessed by the spirit of magnus well, okay not the so much hunter. possessed as like cohabiting it's still considered possession uh, he's not controlling it's, the body. He's not. He's purposely allowing Mercer to control his own body still. I mean, I hope so. But because it's possession, yeah. if Magnus wanted to, he could at any point just and take control. That's a little scary. And Magnus, being the ghost, can also decide when he wants to leave Mercer's body. Yeah. Completely his choice. When that That's the downside to fighting against ghosts. They might just be a challenge rating four, but if they possess a character... You it can, screwed. It can really be that ghost anything. will not leave that person's body except by one of two options. Either one, willingly just leave the body, or the body dies, at which point the ghost reappears in and, an adjacent square next to now dead body. Yeah, and potentially takes a new body. So The downside is, is if the ghost possesses someone's body. They don't have access to that person's memories. They don't have access to that person's special skills. So they can do basic stuff. They also retain, I believe, it's their charisma, intelligence, and wisdom. Fine. But hold the other characters' con, dex, and strength. The physical aspects of the body yeah. they take on of the person they're possessing. Yeah. But the spiritual aspects of the spirit they hang on to and retain. So 
so Magnus says to Mercer in the back of his mind, kind of wakes him up slightly on a on a subconscious level. Mercer is still physically unconscious, but in his own mind, Magnus says, "Hey, if I have to re repossess myself into your body, will you allow me to? I'm going to leave your body for a minute." And Mercer's like, "Yeah, that's fine." And passes back out. Magnus leaves Mercer's body, attempts to possess the guy who knocked Mercer out, and fails. Uh, Then in turn goes and tries to possess a different person's body and succeeds. Ah. That was when the tables had turned because now Zabak is about to take out the female who is the helm, at the helm, uh, Esther, Hal, and the now possessed body that Magnus is in attempt to go after the last guy who gets killed at which point initiative is technically over the helms lady runs down to the lower decks to grab captain catapult (laughs) the guy who Magnus is possessing wait trigger warning oh wait no Uh, in a little bit keep going decides well this guy's dead either way because I'm going to make him jump into the water I'm going to leave I mean, all of his okay, gear here. So he throws all the war, the weapons down, takes the armor off, throws it on the ground. Um, come to find out, this guy that Magnus possessed had two potions of healing on him. Yay! So those those along with the potions that that Zabak had were given to Celine and Mercer to heal them back up and like, bring them just, back to consciousness. I just and then they later on find out that there are additional potions on the other bodies of the other dead people. Nice. But after taking all this stuff off, Magnus purposely causes the person's body to jump into the water, at which point he lets go of the guy and comes back up onto the boat and says, I'll be right back. And, okay, trigger warning <laughs> here, because this is kind of, this is just, like, this is fucking brutal. It is. Goes downstairs. Fucked up. And a few seconds later, you hear that woman's voice going, Killian, we have to get out of here. Killian, wait, what are you doing? Why do you have your sword out? And she gets got. Yeah. And they see the tabaxi, Captain Killian Catapult, come walking out from below deck with his saber out, and there's just blood dripping from the saber. Yeah. And his eyes are mildly glazed over with a tinted blue color instead of white. And they hear Killian now say... Well, that last lady downstairs is taken care of as well. So, we're all good now. Nice. Takes a little bit of convincing between Magnus, who's possessing Catapult's body, and Mercer, that the tabaxi is in fact Magnus. Yeah. And that he should allow Magnus to maintain possession of... This body. Catapult's body for as long as necessary. He's like... I can be an extra set of hands. I can be more physically useful. This is not problematic I, at all. I, I Yeah, and <laughs> if need be, I can stay back on the boat, help Hal keep an eye on things. I can help you guys out a little bit. And the tabaxi can't do anything about it. Yeah. Sucks to be him. So they agree. Hal kind of shows them the ropes, quite literally, on the ri- how to handle the rigging, the sails, the anchor all this stuff and tells them look here's what you guys can do here's how you can apply your skill sets in various ways here's how to help to be run the sailor. boat 
Now, as a side note, it's mentioned that it's assumed that the players quickly learn about the boat. They learn how to manage the boat and take turns and shifts day to day to be able to sail the ship. Yeah. Um, given that Magnus does not require... Uh, food or water or sleep. So he takes in consumables to keep the tabaxi alive, but yeah. he himself does not require it. Yeah, I was gonna say, uh, what about his flesh neck? <laughs> I'm going off of a, uh, a couple of different TV shows and movies where they kind of they kind of use the sleepwalking method, where the mental aspect of a person's mind could be completely asleep and rejuvenated, but the physical aspect could still be moving around. Mm-hmm. Subconsciously, yeah, somnambulism. So, Killian catapult physically might be falling asleep, but Magnus is still actively awake. So, technically, um, Magnus is keeping an eye on the boat day and night, even if the tabaxi is getting tired. And all he has to do is just relax the body from time to time, let it rest and such. Yeah. He's not playing a major role. He's not going off the ship at any point. Yeah. He's just kind of there. So, yeah, we, we sail for a bit. We sail for a couple of days. They figure out it's going to be about a week's travel to get to the compass, the Blazing Isles, which is the next location where the compass is pointing them to go. During that trip, they find what they thought was a wrecked fishing boat. In fact, turns out, based off of evidence of stuff that they find on the boat... Yeah, some fancy stuff is in there. There's some fancy stuff on there, so it might not necessarily be a fishing boat. Nothing super great. There's a few extra weapons. There's a vintage vintage bottle of wine that hasn't been opened, along with a decorated goblet. Some extra weapons... A few construction kits, salvageable pieces of the wreckage that can be used for repairs on the boat. Now, I want to meta just a little bit here. Is this going to, this particular wreckage that we found, is this going to come back around and be relevant again later? No. No? Okay. Because no. if this like ties into the story, that's... No. Excellent. That was just, kiss. That, that was just part of one of the random encounters. Oh, fun little interview. Gotcha. And then there's going to be... Navigating through the Blazing Isles themselves, which will require yeah. a, uh, yeah, a group, a set of group skill checks yeah. to navigate through. But you guys will hear more about that in the next round of episodes that we record <laughs> following, following next week's episode. So yeah. this is the episode for this week. We're going to do a little side mod for Esther. In the next episode, um, it'll be uh, some pre- prior. Events, it'll be, yeah, it'll be a, like a small prequel into who Esther is a little bit. Nothing a whole lot, nothing big or extravagant. It's not like she's getting special attention or anything. No, it's just we, got, we done fucked up. We got to make up for that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that now you guys are pretty much caught up with where we're at now. We will be starting the second adventure of Dungeon or Box, The Blazing Isles. The way these things go is each subscription box comes with a full-scale adventure. A booklet, some maps, some miniatures, um, a few little cardboard cutouts that turn into 3D things to add to the immersion of the maps, as well as um, one or two 3D printed miniatures and minis. 
and it allows you to run a single uh, game session that may take two or three day sessions to actually do. Each adventure levels up the characters as they obtain new uh, metal shards, astral shards, astral metal, astral metal. It's called astral metal that are parts of the fallen star to go into the compass. So in a way, it's like the compass is what's leveling them up. And they need to find the astral metal to put into the compass to allow the compass to level them up to the next level. Yeah. Because we're doing uh, milestone leveling. Yes, milestone leveling. That's how the game is... I mean, we ain't got time for that experience nonsense. It'd be a way to do it. I mean... Lame. Now, something else I will tell you guys is if we do get to the point where we're doing, say, a Patreon or something... I may end up doing one-shot mods as side quests to this adventure for the adventurers. Bonus content. That will become bonus content. If at some point down the road I'm able to recover the original recording (laughs) for tonight's episode, Uh, I'm going to turn that into bonus content. I don't know that that should necessarily be bonus. Like, paywall bonus, (laughs) but... Maybe. Once again, if you guys want to keep up with a lot of the stuff that we do, some of the behind-the-scenes stuff, some of the crafting stuff I make for the immersions of the games, Mm -hmm. then go to Facebook. Type in the LARP channel. Follow us on Facebook. Like, subscribe, share. Share, please share, please share. If we hit 50 listeners on Spotify, we open up sponsorship. If that happens... I will put together a raffle, and one lucky person from our Facebook page will win a former a former a box. cigar box turned dice box, a free set of dice, and a special little added bonus gift. Goodie but you box. have to share these episodes out. The yes. more listeners we get, the better content we can produce, the more adventure and more fun we can bring to the rest of you. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, again, interact with each post. Comment your favorite sandwich, something. Tell us your favorite color. Tell us your favorite breed of dog. Just every little interaction helps boost our rating with Apple's weird algorithm. I'm, I don't know exactly how it works. I don't run the show over there. Jeffrey Bezos does. <laughs> and last but not least, as another side note to the Facebook page, feel free to leave comments. Comment. Shoot messages to me. Yes. Give me suggestions, ideas. I'm always looking for new stuff. I'm on like eight or nine different D&D Facebook groups. I'm always looking for extra stuff. I love the added little bits of criticism. If you decide to be a... constructive criticism. Constructive criticism, (laughs) yes. If you decide to be a dick, I'm just going to ignore you. Yeah. I I don't deal in negativity. (laughs) Don't tell tell us we're shit. Tell us how we're shit. And how not to be shit. (laughs) So until next time... We hope you enjoyed our unexpected narrative. I do not plan on doing this again because I will be better at keeping track of recording. Until next time, you guys stay safe, have fun, and enjoy yourselves.